you take the drugs and alcohol out of a person that's been doing it for so long, what they're left with is some really poor behaviours. Uh, so it's the process of um, unlearning a lifetime of shitty behaviours and then also beginning to learn some new ones. Welcome to The Healing Cocoon. I'm Jacoby Gray, soul alignment and success coach and energy healer, which means I can intuit the subtle layers of your energy field to promote ultimate health and well-being. My goal for this podcast is to shed light on the healing journey itself and help you feel more supported as you embark on the process of unpacking your past to consciously create your present and start living the life of your dreams. Through the study of coaching, kinesiology, holographic kinetics, meditation, Reiki, the chakra system, and many other modalities, I've learned how to release the blocks that were holding me back. Now I'd love to help you do the same. By embarking on your own self-healing process, you'll see the world transforming around you in ways you never thought possible. You'll begin to experience more connection clarity, love, fulfillment, synchronicity, and success than you've ever had before. So welcome to The Ascension. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to The Healing Cocoon podcast. Today's episode is the second half of a two-part series with the founders of The Opened Mind Space in Newcastle, Australia. Shout out to my hometown. (laughs) Last week, we spoke with Renee Wilkinson, and this week, we're chatting with her husband, Murray Smith, about his incredible healing journey, which has had many twists and turns. Uh, It saw him leaving home at a very young age and Murray fell into gangs, drugs and a life of crime until looking at 13 years in jail, he had a moment of clarity and through the grace of a higher power was given an opportunity to turn his life around and through dedication and discipline, he now leads a life with his wife and daughter worlds apart from his past. And you're about to hear all about it and how he did it. It's very inspiring. If anybody's having a dark night of the soul or feeling like they can't transcend uh, the binds of the life that maybe has been unconsciously created for them, this episode will absolutely show you that it is possible to turn your life around completely. Uh, Murray now studies and shares yoga, Thai yoga massage, breath work, energy healing, and much more. And together, he and Renee co-founded the Open Mind Space uh, yoga studio, and they've just completed their retreat space in country New South Wales, um, which they're currently calling The Dome. Murray is also extremely passionate about men's mental wellness, connecting people to nature, aiding people in rediscovering their true selves and cultivating a safe environment in which people can continue to build a healthy relationship with their body, mind and spirit. So I hope you find this episode as inspiring as I did. And if you haven't already listened to part one with Renee, who is an incredibly gifted multi-modality intuitive channel, then scroll back to last week and press play so that you can have the full experience of this beautiful love story that shows how together, oh my gosh, I feel like I want to find the right words for this because I think it's something, it's relationship goals for me, hashtag relationship goals, (laughs) but it shows you how 
when two people come together and truly support and love each other, they their cup runneth over and they can truly love and support many other people around them simply because they fill themselves up first. The awakening, I suppose, happened right at the end of a lifetime, I suppose, of um, trauma, traumatic events. Um, so the awakening actually happened for me when I was in jail and I was, um, I was about 20, 29, 29 when that experience happened and I was looking at about, it had been told to me by my legal representation that I was looking at about 13 years in jail and still hearing that information didn't, didn't set me off. Um, it just came to me, it was really, um, really strange experience just being in jail and then all of a sudden having um, this experience experience within myself it was like uh, it was like my spirit connected to something else and I had this realization that this wasn't actually who I was um, and this isn't what I wanted to do anymore um, but having having that experience there and still needing to, I suppose, hold face in that environment, otherwise becoming a target, uh, was extremely painful experience realising that, um, or having that realisation and then realising that maybe I was stuck here for another 13 years before I could begin to make these changes. Wow. So this experience that you had was a, a full-on kind of like a moment of enlightenment in a way. Mm-hmm. You were suddenly awake to your life in a way you'd never been before. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Re- I really got to see everything for what it was uh, and the way that I had been behaving from a very young age was just really a, uh, I suppose, like a, a series of masks and behaviours I'd learnt in order to survive. And it had gotten to a point where um, it was all I really knew and really it wasn't it wasn't who I was at all mm. so were these um were these personality constructs based on the environment you were brought up in or were they actually a result of trauma and pain and you were driving to create situations or circumstances for yourself out of pain yeah so I only really got to trace all of this back once I'd done a lot of work on myself really begin to um pull all these masks and um, behaviours away. And it's it's a really strange thing. Like even once um, Renee came into my life, she was she asked the question, she goes, how did all four, so all my siblings, myself, my two brothers and my sister, we all have pretty wild stories. And she couldn't put the pieces of the puzzle together when she met my whole family. From the outside looking in, it was like um, we had everything that a family should have. But then she began began to, uh, I suppose, hang around my family a little bit longer and the the petting dropped finally. And it's it's not something I try and explain to people because it may seem like I'm blaming people for uh, my life. So I just let people really discover it themselves. And... um, Looking, once I'd done enough work, I was able to see that the household that I grew up in from a young age, um, 
there was no love or affection ever shown for, I can only speak for myself, but I know it's also true for my siblings, that from our parents there was love and affection wasn't high on the priority list. Um, so there was really no hardcore trauma within the household, like physical violence or this sorts of thing. There was just um, never any love or affection shown towards the kids. And I believe, I don't believe this was deliberate from my parents. I believe this is what they had been taught also. So this is like generational stuff that had been passed on from one generation to the next generation. Um, and that sort of, it set me off on um, that track where I didn't fully understand what a healthy relationship was. Um, I didn't know how to show or receive love or affection. Um, and I remember it, it, to try and create comfort within myself, um, I started consuming drugs and alcohol at a very young age. I mean, I remember the first time I got drunk, I was eight years old and had left school to steal my dad's alcohol just to, just to drink. And looking just to explore what that was. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't even know. I don't really. Wow, were you on your own when you did no, that? No, I took someone with me, <laughs> <laughs> as we do. Wow, eight years old. I'm just thinking. My nephew's currently eight, and I'm like, that's really young. Really young, and that's like looking back at it now. It's like, how does a an eight year old come up with that thought pattern, that idea that this is something I should be doing? Yeah. Mm, so your your spirit was up up to mischief Always. from a young age, yeah. and so that's sort of the beginning then of the the path yeah. that ultimately landed you in jail. Yeah. And how long did you spend in jail before? Was this the first time you were in jail, or had you been I, put into some kind of juvie or something prior to that? Yeah. So uh, that story started for me when I was about twenty. Um, but there was a big gap um, in my in my mid twenties where I was just getting away with a lot of stuff. Um, I know Renee would have spoken to you about her intuition. Um, I also have intuitive gifts, and um, trusting those, trusting that that gut feeling, really helped me navigate um, the criminal world in a way where I was able to see things really before they happened, which. Um, it turned on me in, in the end. It was like... But was quite helpful in the beginning. <laughs> very helpful. But wow. I, I know now that when we use these gifts for negative or self-gains, um, that it'll turn on you in the end. And that's... Mm, it's the law of karma, isn't that's it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, I guess, and you learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. So you found yourself in jail amongst people that you needed to maintain a tough front yeah. for not knowing if you would ever be able to get out or for 13 years, as well as now having this awakening and suddenly seeing the world for what it was. Uh How did you, like, how did you sleep? Were you meditating at that point? Like, how were you coping with this? So, um, I, so there's plenty, plenty of drugs in jail. So... That was that was the path. I just continued. Um, really, it was a process of numbing, 
um, mm -hmm. numbing how I was feeling and just like getting through day to day. Um, and luckily, um, and really I don't understand fully how it all happened, but um, after almost two years of being in jail, I was um, given um, bail and bail on some charges and then uh, time served and parole on other charges and just made the decision just like change no matter don't go back to what I was doing no matter what and actually that was the hardest process that, mm. that process of going through that change leaving everything I'd ever known that was familiar even though it was destroying me it was familiar um, and then choosing to walk into the unknown, uh, that was, it was the loneliness really that, that was the most painful part of it, just leaving everyone and everything I ever knew to step into something completely unknown. Wow. So did you have to go through any kind of detox from the drugs you'd been on? Um, yeah. How did you do that? Yeah. And did you have to, did you just get a job? Like what, what, what were your actual physical steps in terms of yeah. getting out of jail and changing your life? So there were really strict conditions for me um, leaving jail. Um, so one of them was I had to be bailed to a drug and alcohol rehabilitation facility. And I was there for another year. And um, that, I think even though I don't fully agree with that system, this particular place really had a, a really good foundation of, um, of changing people's behaviours, allowing people to be held accountable for their behaviours. Because in the end, um, once we, you take the drugs and alcohol out of a person that's been doing it for so long, what they're left with is some really poor behaviours. Uh, so it was the process of um, unlearning a lifetime of, shitty behaviors and mm -hmm. then also beginning to learn some new ones um, so that was the first step of the process uh, once i'd finished that i had to front back up to the courts and the charges that i was um, released on bail for i had to front up and actually plead guilty to with uh without the knowing that I was going to get something other than jail again. And so there was this full trust that hopefully I'd done enough and the, the court could see that I was moving in the right direction. Um, so they did. They granted me another two years uh, intensive correction order, which is the same, I suppose, as serving a sentence just in the community. Um, really strict conditions where... The police could enter my home at any time without a warrant. They had full access to everything I was doing. There was uh, um, community service, a lot of community service, and meetings with mm -hmm. probation and parole continuously and drug and alcohol testing. Just pretty much I was strictly monitored just within the community. And I swear Did that make it easier for you in a way to... Mm -hmm. Get yourself on the straight and narrow as opposed to just being thrown out of jail and being set to your own devices? I think for me it was helpful because I'd already made the decision it's what I wanted to do. Uh, but I believe if I hadn't have made that decision, then it would have just been a setup. It would have just been a matter of time before I'd done something to put me back in there. 
uh, which yeah. which is the feedback I got from a lot of people. They were like, it's it's impossible to complete. I was um, just grateful that it's like no matter what, I'm just I'm just not doing any of that stuff anymore. Mm. Wow! And so, what was the emotional journey that you were experiencing through all of this? You mentioned before loneliness, mm-hmm. but was there a uh, you had to re-meet yourself and reconnect with yourself and yeah. de- completely deconstruct yourself. Yeah. What was that emotional experience? The whole process was like an extreme roller coaster. Um, so you could imagine like an eight, coming back to being an eight-year-old boy and having to learn basic um, emotional regulation all over again. So that's the, the time where I started, um, I suppose, altering how I felt because I just didn't feel safe in the world. And then having to really return back to that place and learn everything. Um, I chose not to get into any serious relationships because I just knew I I didn't have the skill set to navigate a relationship. Um, I think the defining, what really, what really started to help me the most is when... Um, for some reason, again, just guided by something completely outside of myself when I stepped into a yoga studio for the first time and started practicing yoga. And I I vividly remember um, my first class being in Shavasana after a pretty strong yoga class, Um, just being in Shavasana and for the first time ever feeling present within my body and never like never experienced that before it was always yeah wow it was always what can i do to get out of this body so really i don't there's no list of what i actually done to um to get from there to here i just turned up every day and didn't didn't go back to drugs didn't go back to crime and just yeah, I allowed myself to be guided by by something outside of myself. I'm going to jump in here for a sec to talk to you about my all-time favorite skincare product, Osea's Sea Serum. Because when I first discovered the benefits of hyaluronic acid a few years ago, I fell madly in love with it and I went on a hunt to find the perfect formula. Most of them, although they worked, they left my face with a kind of tacky, sticky feeling that turned into a big shiny mess after I put on moisturizer and foundation. But then I stumbled across Osea's Sea Serum and I couldn't believe how easily it settled into my skin without making me look like a disco ball by the end of the day. Osea's newly upgraded formula contains two powerful types of hyaluronic acid, plus Japanese miru seaweed, which replenishes and balances the skin's natural moisture level, volcanic marine ferment to plump and smooth out those fine lines, and snow mushroom to form a hydration layer on the skin, which seals in all the moisture. And not only that, And this is the reason I'm so happy to stand behind this company. Osea is also vegan, cruelty-free, climate neutral, and they've just become ocean positive, which for me, being an Aussie growing up in the ocean, is a truly meaningful, high-integrity company ethos that I'm excited to support. 
So if you would like to try this awesome hyaluronic C serum and support a certified ethical company in the process, you can use my discount code UA10, so that's Urban Ascension 10, UA10, to receive 10% off when you go to Osea's website. And that's spelt O-S-E-A. It'll change your life. Well, your skin's life anyway. It certainly did mine. And so how far were you into your yoga journey and... Well, I guess, at what point did you start meditating and actually starting to have a relationship with that thing that has been guiding you almost unconsciously? Yeah, so the meditation actually came in before the yoga. They had a teacher that was coming to the um, rehab facility and started attempting to teach um, some people there. (laughs) It's quite funny. It's probably a really dangerous thing, actually, to ask a heap of people with some crazy thoughts to sit with their thoughts for too long, right? It's a yeah. dangerous place to be. Um, but from there, I just um, I started doing guided meditations where I didn't have to sit with my thoughts. I was allowing someone to guide me through the process of whatever it was, connecting to breath or yeah, whatever that process was. And um, That's where I've, I started to find some peace. Um, mm. it, took, it took years to really um, be able to sit with to sit with my mind. There was what I really had to unravel and was quite painful was the actual shame of everything that had happened. Um, imagine being um, on the streets at a young age and then being a part of gangs. There was a, a lot of things that had happened uh, that I no longer had tools to numb anymore so I had to really uh, feel all the guilt and shame that came with all of that and yeah that process was actually quite tough there was um, what helped with that I was introduced to and you probably know her well was Brene Brown um, mm-hmm. when she started talking about the, the gift of um, vulnerability and I suppose I have the intellect where I'm delivered with certain information I can't ignore it and once I started listening to some of her TED Talks, I was just like, okay, I, I have an understanding of what's going on here. And mm. um, it started giving me some, some power over, that, over these experiences. Yeah. yeah, she gave you a framework to have some, I guess, agency and take responsibility. That's and, right. Yeah. yeah. And then seeking for, yeah, forgiveness as well. It's like yeah did you do any of apologizing to friends and family or even strangers that you'd hurt in the past definitely apologize to the people I could um, directly but uh, you could imagine there was many 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 people that I would never ever get to meet again so um, I think that I had to get to a point where the apology was that um, I would promise just never to do these things again and also do what I can to um, to like take my place and do what I can for the for society. And that's where I really found my space in the space holding world. Yeah. Mm, and so enter Renee, I guess. Yeah. At this point, once you'd done so much work on yourself. Um, was she the first romantic relationship you attempted to have post-transformation? She's probably the first romantic relationship I've ever had. Um, 
Right. Okay. <laughs> Where you actually engaged on an emotional level. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, and even that was like scary as hell. I remember like meeting her and it was like quite, quite clear that she was interested in me and it was definitely clear for me that I was interested in her. And then having to um, very early, I think like the second time I met her, I just went, listen, I've got to, before this goes any further, I've just got a lot, a lot to tell you. And it's quite funny because, well, you know who she is. Um, she's mm-hmm. very intuitive. And I think she understood there was a lot. I think you could, you could tell back then by my appearance, I've got tattoos on my face, tattoos like all over me with certain representations. And she knew there was some background and I really just sat her down and just got super honest um about my background who i who i was but also like um spoke about the transition and where i'm heading and she just asked she asked one question she goes were any of these charges um these crimes were any of them violent and i said no and she goes okay that's all i need to know (laughs) wow yeah wow i mean Interesting that the connection you felt was so strong that I guess on the second date mm-hmm. you felt like you had to come clean because you were like, I feel like I could move forward with this person. Yeah. So I I need to let her know who I am so that I can be transparent. So it was a it was a strong connection. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. much. And so. you how long how long into it before you guys were like, okay, we're soulmates. This is forever. Yeah, it sort of just happened. I mean, I was. I was living, by that time I like put together my life, which I just really wanted to live. I was like living like a block back from Bar Beach. I was like surfing every day, doing yoga every day, doing like all the things that I wanted to. I obviously had a job by this time and just literally doing everything I wanted to do. And then she popped into my life and um, she just wanted to hang out heaps. So I was like, all right, you can have some space in my room, in my place. And, um happened quite quickly I think it quite it happened without the awareness of it happening I just I really noticed that we were just like spending there really wasn't many days where we weren't seeing each other for some period of time Um, and it was quite easy I found I think I'm super grateful for all the work that I've done because I could have really mucked it up quite easily without that emotional maturity um mm. so yeah I, I was able to navigate it and she she's super aware as well um I think she was able to really give me some space when it was clear up clear that I needed some um but yeah it just yeah she didn't take it personally she was able to yeah. know that that was your stuff and give you the space to come back when you're ready yeah, which is right. a beautiful thing uh-huh. so um you came clean to her did she come clean to you because I know, I mean, <laughs> at what point did you discover the full experience of Renee and all the dimensions uh-huh. that she lives in? So it took a little bit longer. For <laughs> it was, she didn't want to scare didn't you away. Didn't want to scare me off. I'm like, I can't be scared. It's okay. Look at look at everything I've been through. Um, mm. But it took. She was just like little breadcrumbs. She was just, and because I was like deep into my yoga practice, so she she knew on some level there would be some understanding um and it was when she started to open up about her life and who she is and how she navigates the world 
um, it opened up the, the conversation because I also have some of these abilities nowhere near the level of what she operates on. Um, but what it started to do is it, it opened up a conversation, a two-way conversation about this sort of stuff. She would start talking to me about who she is and I would resonate with someone. And then mm. she could start explaining what that actually was. Yeah, so do you think she activated you into your full spiritual self um, or the relation, the connection, obviously? Yeah. The connection, mm. and I think what she she had so much training in this area, I think she'd been under the guise of a mentor from like the age of 12 or something like this, so she just had a lot more knowledge about it. So she really started to like deliver some of these tools to me that I could use on a daily practice, and together we just started... I think that's when it started really getting super strong is when um, mindfully we started connecting in this way together. They started strengthening mm. our connection with spirit guides and uh, things outside of the 3D world. Um, we weren't doing them separately. We're actually actively sitting together and going through rituals together, um, which I think elevated it so much, so much stronger, so much faster. Mm. Yeah, and so the timeline is quite quick, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Meeting, marrying, baby, but also building, creating a yoga studio and now you've got the dome. Uh-huh. Um, at, was, it, what was, was it an organic um, desire, I guess, to create the yoga studio, the open mind space together? Did that just happen as well? Yeah, I think we got some, some good shoves from the universe. So uh, we were working in different studios together yoga studios and we had stuff that we sorry so you were teaching by this stage yep. you'd done your yoga teacher training yep. mm. um but we had this other stuff we wanted to offer which really wasn't yoga and mm. this is where the change started to happen um and the other studio owners were like i don't really understand what you're doing it's not yoga so no not really and it just got to the point um where we were like, well, I think it, it really happened. We were, we were doing, we started doing a free full moon meditation down on Bar Beach. And, I mean, we were getting at most maybe 20 or 30 people joining us for that experience. Um, and it sort of came to a climax where uh, enough people engaged in the Facebook. We just put like a, a thing up on Facebook and... Um, over and we were doing this for you know, a couple, couple of years really and then the algorithm noticed enough people were getting involved in it so it, it done its thing and attracted mm -hmm. a lot more people and then it, it spiked at about um 300 and then on bar beach yeah and then i think the biggest wow. one we had was 600 plus people mm -hmm. and at that wow yeah it was pretty oh or just newcastle local newcastle people yeah 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 Six hundred of them. Yeah, yeah. That's phenomenal. What exactly would you do for your new moon? Uh, was it a circle or an experience ritual? It, what was well, it? Well, it, it started out. Well, it was just our ritual. This is what we were doing. Then we invited other people in to do it, and it became something. Um, but really, it was just one us connecting people. We really wanted to attract people that were like-minded, um, really finding our tribe, our community. 
um, two, there might have been unintentionally or intentionally a little bit of business minded behind it. It's like uh, if you can gain enough trust within a community by offering something for nothing, then when the time comes to ask people to spend some money, they've, they've already built up that trust with you. Um, and we would just take them through the process. There would just be like an acknowledgement of like the land we sit on. We'd take them through that process and then uh, talk to them about what what this moon represented and what you can um, find within it. And then everyone together would just close their eyes and, and we'd guide them through a meditation. And then so at that point, when it got that big, we actually to put like infrastructure down on the beach, the council I don't think would really approve. So we got a little bit sneaky and just, if you couldn't hear, we just asked people, I'd have a microphone on and played it through Instagram and then people would just like put their earphones in your bedroom. Clever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was no um, infrastructure on the beach. So the council really didn't bother us. Um, and then we started attracting like other communities. People would like bring all their, do a drumming circle after and like it, yeah, it just started creating this really cool vibe down on the beach. Um, and at that point when, when it really reached its, its peak, um, we were actually looking at traveling overseas and to begin to work in yoga retreats and surf camps, um, all over the world. And we knew some people in the industry and we put the feelers out and got nothing back. Um, and it's not like myself and Renee to get nothing back. Usually mm. things happen quite quickly. Mm. Um, but then 600 people turned up to the beach and it was, it was quite, quite clear that we had... There was something for you at home. Yeah, we had some work to do here. So we looked for a, a place, to, place to build and, I mean, it was like the second place we looked at and we just went, yeah, sweet, let's do it. And gave up everything, the full trust we... we um, by that time, we, we were engaged um, mm-hmm. and we're just living in this little cosy place at Merriweather, one bedroom place just back from the beach. And we gave that up. We handed all our jobs in, stopped working at all the studios and surprised everyone with a surprise wedding. And then we put down the lease on, on the building. We signed like a five-year lease with a five-year option and paid everything we needed to and then just left the country for four weeks. With. Oh wow! Just to recalibrate before you yeah. came back to build. Yeah, and with no real indicator of it was going to work or not, just um, using the process of all of our tools, the muscle testing, meditation, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Um, came back, put it together, and then the first day we opened, we had we had enough members to profit, which is oh, quite, that's incredible, quite remarkable, really. It is remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there you um, created the dome. The dome, yeah. So just kept really – I think that was always really the end goal was to have somewhere we can really um, take people to immerse over days in the magic, Mm. Uh, I think – yeah, that immersive experience. Renee was kind of talking us through that a bit. It mm. sounds incredible. Yeah, I think it's needed. I think really if you want to change, um, and I can speak to this because I had to go, like I had to remove myself from everything I knew and put myself in an environment away from everything to really mm. get, start that process of change. 
Um, you can, yeah. you can go and do like a one, two, three hour workshop around the corner from where you live and sure you'll get, there'll be some insights and some takeaways, but if you really want to create great change in your life, then um, you need to remove yourself from the distractions and um, mm. commit to commit to some time on yourself. So mm, going in. Yeah, definitely. So that's what we created somehow. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. And I know you've got retreats coming up and um, is there anything that you want to mention that you're wanting to share? Yeah. I mean, if you are, if you are looking for some transform transformative experiences, then come and check out what we have on offer at the Dome. Um, yeah. I think it's like a, a three day kind of experience, is it? Or? We have a, a few options. So there's a, a one night um, experience that's been, we hold that every month on as mm. close as we can to the full moon over the weekend, um, which it's cacao, breathwork, uh, ceremony. So full ceremonial style, um, cacao, breathwork, and we're singing and bringing in the prayers as well. Um, mm -hmm. That's actually been quite, quite potent for a lot of people. Um, but then, yeah, we have um, some other longer stuff on where we really teach you the tools that we use. Um, we teach you the tools that we've used to create the life we have. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And to create a, a heart-centered relationship with yourself and with your partner mm -hmm. and in community. Yep. So just to wrap up um, and to bring it full circle, now that you have successfully rebirthed yourself, uh -huh. How do you then navigate the relationships with family and friends who know you as someone completely different? So this is the most interesting thing that I've noticed just recently. Um, so I, out of all the kids, um, I was the most wild. Um, I, I lost my brother, my older brother, just a few years ago in a car accident. Uh, he was my older brother, so now... I've really stepped into that role of being the eldest. Um, but also my younger brother and younger sister um, have been in the transition also out of that life. Mm -hmm. And I haven't forced anything that I'm doing on anyone. I just um, I just show how, it's, how these experiences um, are unfolding in my life. And now they've started the path too just by... They just like come and ask questions and I just give the information and they it's up to them to, to take the next steps um, so that's really beautiful you've shift, I guess in shifting the energy mm -hmm. and the energy dynamic they can no longer hold whatever role they were playing in those original dynamics and so mm -hmm. you've just by changing yourself you've allowed them the space and the option to change if they chose to which it sounds like they are that's right yeah and it's cool because what I'm witnessing, because we all have children now, is that our children won't experience what we experienced. And mm. that's like the, there's like a very clear, I can see it happening, like there's a very clear generate, a cut of generational trauma taking place. Um, I mean, that's the m most mindful part about it now is like how I am around my daughter. Just really mm, being, your two-year-old daughter is she now yeah, too? Almost, Sophia? almost two. Yeah, almost. Just really making sure, like that's above everything. That's my number one priority. Is just making sure that she's mm. the home she lives in is full of love. 
I hope this episode has inspired you to keep going on what can sometimes be a tough road to inner peace and true happiness. If you want to dive deeper into what we talked about today, go to thehealingcocoon.co for show notes and all things personal growth. And don't forget, if you're loving The Healing Cocoon, then put that love into action and subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you download your podcasts. And until next time, my friends, let's rise and shine together.